Welcome to the Youth Ministry Partners Podcast, encouraging leaders, sharing insights. We interview youth ministry experts in the field to reveal the tips and advice you need to succeed as a youth leader in today's ministry landscape. Visit youthministrypartners.com for detailed show notes and more information. And now your host, Ben Howard. Welcome to the Youth Ministry Partners Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Howard. Today, I am joined by Chuck Hunt. Chuck is the Associate Pastor of Family Ministries at Lake Avenue Church in Pasadena, California. Thanks for coming on the show today, Chuck. Yeah, no problem, Ben. Thanks for having me. Um, today, we're, we're mainly going to start talking about kind of the importance of transitions and how to help students and ministries through these kind of different transitional periods. But before that, I really wanted to kind of hear your story, Chuck, of how mm. you got into ministry. Um, so what uh-huh. was kind of the inspiration for that? What kind of kickstarted that? Because I always feel like those stories are very interesting. Right, right. No, uh, my my story about getting into ministry is a transition in and of itself. I um, I never wanted to be in ministry, to be quite honest. Never wanted to be a pastor. Um, I'd grown up in the church and had seen, you know, pastors and, and, and people and in ministry. And I thought, ah, it's probably not the job for me. I actually wanted to be a pilot, went to school for, uh, studied aviation, got a pilot's license. Um, but during that time in the summertime, I was I was working at a, at a camp here in California. And, and that camp was pretty formative for me in terms of just shaping my idea about ministry. And I figured, you know, I could be a pilot and a really cool volunteer in a youth ministry somewhere or help out with someone. Um, and along the way, a buddy of mine um, called uh, and uh, asked me to come uh, fill in for him. He was getting actually ready to leave his position at a church and um, he, they, needed a, they needed someone to kind of fill in for the next uh, six to nine months or so. He said, well, if you like it, you know, maybe you could stick on. And, and I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> to be quite honest, when he first, when he first called me, I, you know, he, he picked up the phone and he was like, hey, why don't you come do this job? I said, yeah, no thanks. And I hung up on him. I said, nope, not going to happen. Uh, two weeks later, uh, he called back. He said, hey, you know what? We really need someone. It'd be really great. Would you just pray about it? And, uh, and, I, and I felt like, okay, well, we'll pray about it, but this isn't going to happen. And uh, in the midst of praying about it and seeing where God was leading, I ended up uh, at that church uh, for nine months, um, and those nine months with those particular kids were, were some of the most formative in my in my career. Loved that church, loved that conversation, um, and then had a hard exit out of that out of that church and out of that um, uh, community, um, which you know once again probably shapes a lot of a lot of what we're talking about here, um, as well as you know continued moments of, of of transition. But yeah, it was a transition in my life to think, man, I'm not actually going to do what I what I've studied to do and God's kind of moving me in this direction of ministry and here I am you know 21 years later in churches and 26 years in ministry so 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 from that background like I'm really intrigued you talk about this as a transition in your own life what are some of the things that you've been able to take from that kind of transition to help you kind of work with students as they're kind of dealing with transitions maybe whether it's in ministry or transitions out of high school into college or something like that how did how did your own experience kind of doing like I've I've taken this trajectory in my life I'm going to do this thing this is what I've worked so hard for wait I'm not going to do that at all I'm going to do this other thing that I never thought I would do how did that kind of give you insight into that process 
it's the idea of plan, right? So, you know, we, the, I don't know, that old, old joke about how do you want to make God laugh as you make plans, right? So, you know, I had this great plan for my life and, you know, and it, it included, you know, um, it included me driving BMWs on the Autobahn, but, you know, I've never been to Germany still and I'm, and I really haven't driven a whole lot of cars fast on any freeways. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's that, it's these things that, you know, you have in your mind that you're going, but when you give your life to the Lord and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm saying something specific to God about I need him in my life to shape and, 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 and mold me into the person he's calling me to be, first and foremost. Not about what we're doing, but who, who we are. Then we've given God license to kind of shape what we do in order to make that happen. Um, and so those particular pieces for me have become really important in the ministry, right? So, so as we talk about um, students and we talk about evangelizing students, we're making sure that students hear the gospel, right? Um, and then we bring them into a mode of discipleship that says, you know, how are you going to allow God to continue to shape who you are and who you're going to become in this world? Regardless of what you do, you kind of have to say, well, allow God to shift you know, shift what you do in order to make who you are the best that it is. Um, uh, and so, so that to me was a huge shift that I learned, you know, experientially, um, you know, and, and you can pick up, you can pick up that stuff in scripture as well. Um, but I think, you know, me reading about uh, Matthew, the tax collector, you know, shifting his, you know, the idea of what he was going to do in his life and following Jesus doesn't really affect me as much as the one shift that God did in me. Um, but I can look back at, at those places, whether it's, you know, Peter or Paul or, you know, um, even Old Testament figures. So that's, those are, those are huge. And, you know, uh, you talk about, um, students, you talk about students, you talk about families, you know, we're all in a matter of transition, right? All ministry is transition if we're really, if we're really honest about it, um, because we're talking about changing, we're talking about growing, we're talking about allowing God to, to do something different in our lives. We use that, um, those verb, that verbiage all the time, but we don't really give ourselves over to it. And when we really do give ourselves over to it, then we need to expect something to change. So I think that's kind of, I, I want to unpack that, that statement. You said all ministry is transition. Um, yep. I think when we say that, I wonder if we are expecting more of these kind of gradual transitions. And we even say that in the language that we use when we're talking to students, which is like, you're not going to accept Jesus. You're not going to get baptized and then change overnight. Everything doesn't right. shift in, in one direction from one day to the next. But then those, there are those moments in all of our lives and in ministry where things mm. do change from one day mm-hmm. to the next. So, what are the kind of what are the kind of transitions that require that kind of special care above and beyond the kind mm-hmm. of normal growth pattern that we're talking about in daily transitioning? Um, so there, you know, when we're talking about normal transition, it's, it's almost like being on a journey, right? So if you're, if you're, if you're driving along in the car at 75 miles an hour, um, after, uh, you know, after getting to that pace, um, you don't recognize that you're traveling that fast. You just don't. Um, it's the moments where you where you slow abruptly, 
you stop quickly uh, or you change direction at that pace that you recognize a significant shift. So it's the same thing in our, in our own journey. You know, we kind of cruise along and, you know, we, we do the things that God's called us to do, whether that's, you know, you, you go to, go to your worship service at church or in your youth group or, you know, wherever you're, you're gathering that spiritual uh, formation part of of your life uh, within the midst of community, you're doing your individual connecting and growing and learning and, um, and study of, of God's word, but also, you know, of different books and things like that to help you understand what's going on. Um, and then some life event happens, right? So for students, uh, life events happen quickly and often, right? I got kicked off the cross country team or, um, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't get that A in this class and, and I'm really sad because now, you know, my 4.0 is messed up or, um, you know, I, you know, the, you know, to the, to the, to the worst, you know, examples, my parents are getting divorced, you know, my best friends on drugs, or I've started trying drugs and I don't know what to do with those moments. You know, these are all transitional moments because now our, our lives are, um, are, 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 are trying to, are, are trying to understand this different, uh, mode of life, right? You've kind of pulled off into, you know, going back to the analogy of, 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 of traveling, you know, you've pulled off in onto a dirt road and things are a little bumpy. Wait a second. I don't, I don't, I don't understand where I'm going right now. And so if we are there, you know, as a church, as a community, as youth ministers to walk alongside of students, and we know those things are going on, we have ability to speak into walk with and make those transitions, um, more helpful or normal. So the things that I see, you know, that, that we have to be looking out for are those transitions like um, moving from, you know, eighth grade to, you know, uh, high school, you know, specifically here in, in California, that, that's a, that's a movement. I know in other places that, that, you know, you have a different, uh, different transition, but when you're transitioning schools, um, kids have an opportunity to look around and say, well, I didn't like what I was doing here. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to try some new things out. That's the that's the new you know kind of ideology that that, that is that is out there. It's like oh, I need to try some new things out. I need to express myself differently. Okay, well, are you doing that in the midst of Christian community? That's a huge huge deal. Um, uh, you know, uh, even, even small moments, um, of, of, you know, Christmas and Easter, right. we see these huge, um, influxes of people come to our church for one particular moment. Um, and, uh, and we ask the question, you know, are you still following Jesus? Are you excited about following Jesus for those who are, you know, Christmas and Easter folks, you know, how do we, how do we get into community with those people, um, and in particular with those families so that they might see something different in order to engage. Um, so transitions, obviously those, those ones that are right in front of us every single year, we go through those transitions of summertime. Um, you know, most ministries, you know, will ramp up their, their activities in summertime. So uh, are we, are we actually ramping up activities in a way that families and kids are able to engage or are we doing it in a way that that leaves people out um you know for families are we able to be in those conversations about um you know uh, about the, the I, I point to divorce but I, I'll, I'll also point to like moments of just celebrating you know um you know wins in people's marriages we don't do that very often it's very private um you know when when people are excited about you know you know what we got through a rough patch it was it was difficult how close are we in relationship to those people to celebrate and say you know what i i know you guys have been walking through it man it, i'm i'm so glad for you um let me let me pray for that celebration that you guys get to have in the midst of that and i don't think we pay attention to the, some of those transitions enough that's 
that's a really interesting point. I have a, f- a friend in Nashville who I've spoken to who works with young adults. And one of the things he said to me before is that we are very good in the church at kicking things off and we are very good at watching things die, but we are not very good at ending things at a point where we can celebrate their end. Correct. How do I go ahead? I'm a fan. I'll just jump in and I just, I'll, I'll, I'll anticipate a question of how do we do that? You like, I'm a fan of bookends, right? So if, if, if you're going to start something well, which we do, right? Kickoffs or whatever, um, or, or block party, whatever you're going to do to start something well, find a place to end it well, right? Um, we start these ministries and we expect them to go in perpetuity, but with their, they don't, <laughs> they can't. Um, and so if we say like for this period of time, this is what we want to be learning and we want to end it so that we can move into something else. Um, that is in and of itself, a fantastic way of doing transitions. And, and I think, you know, we talk about staffing transitions and those things too. We don't do those things well at all. Um, and, you know, there's, there's multitude of reasons, but even just talking about ministry itself, we've got to be able to say, you know what, you know, here's my series of, you know, eight weeks, we're going to do this or four weeks, we're going to do, you know, this, you know, after those four weeks, how do we, how do we stop? How do we end that? Well, how do we celebrate that and, and, and care for that? And how do we bring more people into that celebration? We don't do that very well. Um, I've watched so many missions trips, um, go by in, in, in people's ministries and, and they get to the end and they have a, you know, they have a little barbecue or something at the end, uh, and they forget to, uh, invite parents, um, to a barbecue that they just sent their kids, you know, to go, the parents don't get to hear the stories. Um, you know, they send out a letter, uh, of thanks, you know, and it's just a thank you for sending me money. But, but they forget to say, and here are three things that you helped me do well. We forget to invite people into the celebration of an ending. Um, and, and if we would do that better, then our beginnings would be so much better. One of the things I kind of want to dive into, I know, I know a lot of people talk about kind of transitions and the, like, especially kind of harder transitions. Um, you know, you talked about mm-hmm. divorce. You talked about... Um, you know, maybe going away to college or things like that. And I think right. they view those with anxiety of, oh, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do there. But there's also the opportunity there. And this is where I kind of want to unpack something. Mm-hmm. I, I know I had this experience. When I graduated from college, I moved a thousand miles away into a college where I knew one person. And you have this idea in your head because there's this transition. It's going to be a fresh start. And then after about six months, you realize that you're still the same person. And there's this weird disappointment that you've gone through this transition and you've emerged on the other side as the person that you already were. So Mm -hmm. there's this question of transitions, but there's also this question of continuity. How do we deal with this kind of the transition and this kind of inflection point being this motion moment of like high emotion, but then realizing that somewhere on the other side, things will become normal again. How do you deal with that Mm -hmm. moment of like massive emotional turmoil that you know is going to settle back down and not be permanent because it feels so permanent in the moment. Right. Um, so I think you've heard me say a couple of times during this is, is we've got to be in, 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 in relationship with those people. And I think, you know, I guess the proper word is proximity, right? So in, in your case and in mine, you know, I went to school, you know, 2,834 miles away from my house. (laughs) Um, don't ask me why I know that, but I do. Um, and, 
and it was a it was a distance that felt that weighty and when you get to that moment where you're like why am i doing the same things that i was doing 6 months ago this is really frustrating i thought i could be new but i keep falling into the same patterns i begin to look at and i'm and i'm guessing that you begin to look at where are the places that feel familiar to me that i might help ask the questions that i'm asking now, not everyone does that. I think some people just deal with that internally, and I think that's probably a, a huge mistake and a and a loss for for churches. But as a as a as a youth pastor who's sitting there at a, in a high school moment, right? You've you've launched your kids into college, yet we don't follow up, right? Mm-hmm. We don't we don't continue to engage students six months out, nine months out, a year out, we say, well, they're in the college ministry now, if you have one, or they're off in college, so out of sight, out of mind. Shoot, I've got these incoming ninth graders that I've got to really deal with and connect with and make sure that they're transitioning well. So I don't have time for the people who are actually aren't here in my ministry. And there are actually churches out there that will say, you know what, they're gone, let someone else deal with them. And so if we're really going to make the impact of people that are going to continue to grow and aren't done in their discipleship and need people to walk with them, we don't hand them off to college and say, well, you're, you're capable now because you're 18. Um, we've got to be in those places where we're saying, you know what, I'm going to check in three months out, six months out, nine months out, and even, even more. Um, it, what if you find a, 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 a group of people in your church that's willing to take on each class and say, you know what, you're responsible for every month sending them a card saying, hey, we're praying for you. Um, we'd love to know what to pray for, but we're praying for you. Just as a, as a, as a way to love them, as a way to care for them um, from their home church. You know, some of those kids that reach, you know, that, that place that what you're talking about of, of going, ah, man, I wish I could do more are going to have a, have a, have an anchor to say, you know what, I've got people praying for me. Maybe that's someone I need to reach out to. It's about proximity, right? Keeping, keeping the church, i.e. the people near to those folks, even if they're a thousand or 2,824 miles away. I noticed that you said a group of people and I want to unpack that a little bit because I, I know that youth ministry in particular and ministry in general has a habit of falling into a cult of personality where yeah. everyone relies on it's the youth minister's job to kind of have this connection to the student. And right. as a result, they kind of have to facilitate that. How do right. you build up this kind of group of people so that that cult of personality issue isn't as much of a problem in these moments of transition? Um, that's a great question, but I would back up just a little bit okay. and say whoever's the youth pastor needs to walk into and perceive their ministry as not theirs. And they need to be preparing the people around them so that if that youth pastor gets hit by a bus, that those people know exactly what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it. So, so first and foremost, it starts with the youth pastor. And the youth pastor is walking in going, man, this is fantastic. This is my ministry. I get to shape it. You're never going to get to that place of even asking the question you're asking. So if, the, so if we do get a youth pastor who's like, okay, I need to be able to hand off this ministry so that, so that the, the youth leaders, whether paid or unpaid, are working with me, are able to know exactly what's going on, are able to continue the ministry if I get hit by a bus then those people have an opportunity and an option of surrounding students and you're giving them gifts in the ministry, right? So if, if, if what we're doing, <clears throat> backing up to that idea of, you know, what we're doing is discipleship, right? We're not just discipling um, students, but the leaders that come into our program, whether or not they're 80 or, 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 or they're 18. 
and and each person needs you know to develop their skills and gifts in ministry and if we're not allowing for that and we kind of develop that cult of personality in our program and you know within a program of eight or 800 we're saying oh that's my youth pastor then we're missing the opportunity to become the church which is a community and so the 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 hope is that you're able to empower not only people that are in direct ministry with your, your students, but those people that are in indirect ministry with your students, i.e. the folks that pass them in the hallways, the folks that you go to to get you know, money for your missions trips, the people that you know, are, are upset that you know, they're using that room on a Wednesday night next to you know, the Bible study room that wants to be quiet. You know, I'm sorry, it's going to be a little louder over here. Those are the people that you need to figure out a way to invite into the ministry and care for the people who are in a different place of discipleship, right? And not just you, the youth pastor, but we need to figure out how to teach and help our, our adult volunteers how to do that as well. And when we do that, then you create moments of like, oh, I need to care for the ministry, the ministry, not just the individuals. Um, and when, when, when folks do that, man, I think you get a huge shift uh, in the way that you actually are accomplishing your ministry um, because it's not about someone showing up and seeing the youth pastor and being there when the youth pastor is there and you have the ability to do some of the stuff we're talking about because you can't do it by yourself. On that on that same topic, you can't do this by yourself yeah. and kind of building up a structure so that in case you're there one day and you're not there the next, the ministry can kind of go on. I want to talk about one of the kind of touchier situations where a number of the people listening to this podcast are probably, it's like in the back of their mind, but you never want to think about it, um, which is... Mm-hmm what happens if the youth ministry gets fired or what Mm. happens if they have to leave for some reason, Um, whether it's Mm -hmm. another job or something like that. Mm -hmm. How do you handle from both sides? How do you handle that situation? How do you handle the situation if you're the outgoing minister? Um, I know you talked Mm -hmm. to yourself at the beginning that in your first position, you had a hard exit and then how do you have, and how do you as the person coming in, try and heal some of those wounds, kind of deal with some of the fallout that mm. you weren't necessarily involved in creating. Yeah, yeah. So let's take the first part so first. I, what do you do if you're the person I, who's leaving? I've, I've been on both both ends of that <laughs> uh, throughout my career. Um, when you're the person leaving, man, um, if you have been fired uh, from your position or your job, You've got to go to back to the remember the statements that you've been making about your position all along. And I hear youth pastors say this all the time. Oh, man, I love my church. I love my ministry. I love my kids. And if that's really true, that's not going to stop when you get fired. Um, the, your kids aren't the ones that are firing you for the most part, for the most part. And I've heard some situations where kids get angry and oh, I'll just leave that there. And... And I think you've got to figure out a way to make sure that when you leave, ministry happens, the discipleship happens. And so that requires you to communicate well um, with students what's going on. And sometimes you're not allowed to. If you're in a fired situation, you get removed from your job, you're not allowed to do that. Um, But you've got to ask for not only you to communicate, but even the people that may be firing you to say, you know what? We've got to be able to say something to these students so that they can know that this is in the best interest of them and, and it has nothing to do with them. 
Um, those two things um, have to be communicated to students or, 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 or we lose them. You know, you create that cult of personality no matter who you are in those jobs with some kids and those kids will be, will, will feel that as, as a significant uh, grieving event, significant loss in their, in their lives. And so um, if we don't communicate uh, to to them those those two particular things I think we miss it I think the second thing you've got to do is um, is continue to point them to their faith journey as the most important thing that they're they're dealing with not the relationships they're creating now that sounds like you know I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth right like you know oh no we've got to make sure that we, we surround them in relationship I said but remember the reason that we're surrounding them in relationship is so that they can continue in their faith journey and we got to remind them that there are going to be people in their lives for short amounts of time. And then those people are going to be gone and they're going to put an impact on their life. I had a, I had a, um, a substitute teacher in my life who, um, who was the guy who, um, uh, he got fired from his job because he was, he was proselytizing in, in as, as subbing, but he was the guy who came around and asked me, Hey, um, w- would you be interested in, in coming to this camp and working with us? Um, he didn't really know me all that well. Um, but, but he was the one who drew, drew me into ministry, right? I haven't talked to him in 20 some odd years. Um, but that moment in my life, he was a really important voice in my life. And so, um, I can look back on that and say, man, in that part time in my life, um, Grant was an amazing voice in my life and I really appreciate who he was. Now I've had many people along the way continue to move me in my discipleship and that's just the way it works. So we need to teach kids. Um, we need to keep teach kids that, um, I think the other part, um, and this is this is hard uh is that um, I may be gone from ministry or I may be out of a job, but as much as you can, and I know there's legal issues involved and people getting fired, et cetera, et cetera, but as much as you can continue your ministry with them. Your ministry doesn't stop. The, the, the person of Jesus and the relationships don't necessarily have to end. Your job ends. You know, I hear a lot of churches right now in, you know, in just in me saying that are going, what are you talking about? No, they lost their job. They're <laughs> out of here. They're, they can't be here. Ah, okay. But, but why don't we find places in which that person can, can engage? Now, that, that's barring if, if they've done something nefarious and, 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 is, you know, and, and, and legally needs to be removed from ministry. I'm not talking about those events. But I am talking about those events where we're saying, well, you lost too much money on the high school camp and um, you've done that three, t- three years in a row. We're sorry, we can't, we can't have you here anymore. Um, okay, so they weren't good at financial manager, but that doesn't mean that they weren't good ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and doing good ministry with people. We've got to be able to find those places for people to continue their ministry, even if they, they might be 500 miles away. The, 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 inter, the interwebs provide fantastic ways for people to continue to encourage others uh, to step into their lives and continue to, to, do, to do ministry. So let's flip that and look at the, and look at the other side. For the people yeah. who remain, or for the new person who comes in after that kind of, kind of hard, hard break, Right. What do you do to help the students who are still there? How do you kind of help? I don't. I don't know if I want to say necessarily like heal the relationship, but I mean that is kind right. of what we're talking about in that kind of traumatic situation. How do you respond? Uh, you got to remember that you're walking into to a, a situation where people are grieving, 
um, at the at the very at the very least, um, you've got to sit with them in that. Uh, you've got to acknowledge that you cannot walk into um, you cannot walk into that circumstance and act like nothing happened and you just walked into a good transition because you didn't. Um, and if you don't acknowledge that, then then you're going to miss an opportunity to speak into those kids' pain. Um, it may not be your pain as the incoming minister, but it, it, it's going to become your problem if you don't address it and you don't, you know, you, you don't make sure that you're entering in and stepping into where they are and walking them through it. Now, you know, one of the things that I like to say is that you've got to help student, uh, students grieve loss and not languish in it, like languishing in it and just going, oh my gosh, this is the worst, this is going to be the worst. That isn't the job of leadership, right? We're not, we're not helping kids work through that process. We're just stepping in and meeting them where they are. And then, you know, we've got them upset at, you know, the powers that be in, you know, the church and that's not helpful either. And so we need to continue to move, move those things, move those things forward at a pace that's helpful to kids and saying, you know what, but we're going to be okay. And the person that left is going to be okay as well. Right. Um, I think the other pieces that we've got to do are, 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 are find the ways to talk well about the person who left. Um, uh, I, I, I've, I've, I've rarely been into cir- circumstances or watched circumstances where, where the minister who leaves, whether it's, you know, these, these horrible situations, um, or, you know, just, you know, it, it, it was just time. It was time to leave where we can't say something good about the person who left. We've got to find those and repeat to, to people like this was great that they did. This was fantastic. And I know you guys benefited from that and that person in this, this particular part of the ministry. Um, if we lift up those things, it, it's to say, wow, your experience with that person and your time with that person wasn't, wasn't all in the trash, right? We didn't, we didn't throw that away just because that person is gone or that person got fired or because that person left really, really well and you're still sad. Um, those things you've, you've got to be able, got to be able to do. And then as you, as you move forward, you, you shift your, your ministry, um, and you start to you start to fill in the gaps, right? Okay, so I think we're going to do this um, this camp now, or we're going to do this piece now. Oh, I know you guys love that part, absolutely, and that person did that well. Um, but right now we're moving into um, a different a different mode, and and this is going to be exciting and and whatnot. And granted, granted you're going to get pushback, you're going to do those things, but this is this is the difficult task of leadership is moving kids into an into a new adventure, um, and allowing them to know that it's a new adventure. So one of the things I always kind of like to ask, especially at this kind of this point in our conversation, is what's a what's a story or an event from early on in your ministry where you kind of did these things wrong and you were able to learn from that experience. So what's the story you remember of, of this kind of transitional period where you feel like you, you did something and that you're like, maybe I wouldn't do that now. And so, so that our, our listeners can kind of learn from that. I think I, I'm thinking through a couple, a couple stories, but I guess I'll, I'll go back to the, to the very first, um, first time I was in ministry, first church job that I had, it was nine months in. Um, and, uh, the, the 
the church had determined, uh, more specifically, the pastor had determined um, that that I wasn't his guy. I didn't, I, I wasn't going to be it because I, I had shifted it to the place where, you know, okay, I wasn't going to fly planes anymore, and now I'm going to do this ministry thing, and I would love to have a job in this place because these kids are so amazing. Well, the pastor had determined that it wasn't going to be me, and so um, I was hurt. I was like, wait a second, you know, one, I was hurt, at, you know, frustrated by, at God. Um, and it's like, God, you brought me into ministry. You've changed my idea about this thing. And now you're saying I can't do this. <clears throat> and, and, and I, um, I tried to process that information with my kids and my staff. Um, and I think, you know, if you just hear that, I'm sure I'm hearing the cringes of people like, Oh no, why would you do that? Well, because you know, people are young in ministry and you're hurting and you're looking for the people that you've surrounded yourself with that you love and you care about and you spend the most time with and you're looking for the support of those people. You have got to find people outside of your congregation and that are going to support you and walk with you. And if you don't do that, you're going to have nowhere to go and you're going to process those things with those people that are there. That's not your job is to process those things with those people who are there because they've got to be there long after you're gone. And I know that that ministry suffered after I left, um, uh, not just because I left, um, but because of the way that I left. I think people were, <clears throat> um, excuse me, frustrated um, by that, um, by the way that I left. And because I processed some of those things out loud, people looked at at that pastor and that ministry in, an, in a negative way. Now, um, you know, praise God that God's God. And, you know, I know many of those kids now, um, and, and many of those kids are friends and they, um, and they were, they were able to continue to walk through and, and God held them and they had great leaders and, and whatnot. So, so, so it wasn't as, as bad as it could have been, but man, I look back on that and I say, and I think I really, um, I really blew it by trying to, trying to get people on my side and or process the thing that was happening to me, um, in, in a way that, that was, that was unhelpful at all. I would never, ever, ever do that again. Um, and I've surrounded myself with multiple people who, you know, you know, in my, even in my current job, you know, I was asked this last night. They said, you know, do you have people to process outside this church? And I said, absolutely. And I said, I would never process some of the things that go on here um, with the people here. That's not my responsibility. And that's not my job. You know, I've got people to hold me outside, outside of this place. So one of the big lessons that I, I had to learn and, and I had to fight over, you know, over other churches, you know, after, you know, leaving other churches, you know, you, you gather friends along the way, right? People that are going to care with you and about you. And, and, uh, you, you've got to either one set up those boundaries well, um, or you've got to say, you know, I can't process these things with you because this is, this is your home. This is your, this is your community. Um, and, and, and I need to give you that opportunity to allow that, allow that to be this space. So, um, I think that's probably one of the most significant things that I, I learned along the way. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start to wrap up here. Um, before yeah. we do, Chuck, uh, I always like to end the show with kind of one recommendation for our listeners to go listen to something or read something or watch mm -hmm. something that's been inspiring or influential to you. Um, so if you could mm -hmm. make one recommendation to any of our listeners today, what would you recommend them to go take a look at? Mm. Um, yeah, in terms of transitions, I think there's some, uh, there's some great, uh, great books out there. 
Um, one of them, uh, the, uh, Brock Morgan talks about the transitions in, in a really cool way with freshmen and his book, The Amazing Next. So that was, that was fantastic. I think, um, given all that's been happening in our country right now, um, I think ministers around our country need to be reading, um, about the, the difficulties of um, communities of color, um, and so I would I would suggest uh, you know books like uh, Citizen um, uh, by uh, Claudia Rankin. Um, that that was uh, that was a huge book for me, um, and or uh, and or the New Jim Crow. Um, those two books were uh, and have been continually shaping a lot of way that that I do ministry um, with students uh, and with you know and. and and leading staff. So those are those are those are a couple things that I would I would lead into. Um, there's plenty of other ones, but uh, if you're asking for one, I just gave you three. <laughs> <laughs> three three is better. Um, yeah. Once again, we've been talking with Chuck Hunt. He is the associate pastor of Family Ministries at Lake Avenue Church in Pasadena, and we've been talking about the importance of difficult transitions. Chuck, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, no problem, Ben. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. And we'll hope to talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for joining us for the Youth Ministry Partners podcast. Remember to check out the YMP store at youthministrypartners.com and get in on the conversation at Facebook and on Twitter at YM Partners. Youth Ministry Partners. Listen, learn, and lead. Listen, learn, and lead.